Today we're going we're to talk about friendship with God, and, and uh, I found some uh, what were rejected hallmarks, like hallmark cards, like ideas from hallmark that, that never made it through, uh, a card you'd, you'd never want to get from a friend, uh, such as, um, right, I, I've always wanted to have someone to hold, someone to love, and, but after having met you, I've changed my mind. That, that didn't get, didn't make it through. Um, <laughs> I like this one. Right, I'm so miserable without you, it's almost like you're here. <laughs> didn't, quite, didn't quite, Hallmark decided that that wasn't good enough. And, uh, um, and this one, you're right, you're such a good friend that if you were on a sinking ship and there was only one life jacket, I'd miss you heaps and think of you lots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they just didn't quite meet Hallmark's standards. <laughs> Good friends are important in life, right? And um, I actually, one time heard it said it, it's, it's good to keep a small group of friends because three out of four murders are committed by somebody you know. I, I don't know if that's true, but, um, <laughs> you know, we need friends, right? And, and in that, that actually includes a friendship with God. And uh, God wants to be, he even tells us he's, fr- he's our friend, and he wants us to develop, to develop friendship with him. And of course, you know, friends communicate, they talk to each other, they spend time together, and that's how it works with God as well. Over the last year and a half, um, I, I've really had the sense of God telling me that we're to go back to what are just un, the, the uncomplicated foundational aspects of our faith. The Bible, so we know what it says and we live it out. Prayer, because honestly, nothing truly good is going to happen here without God's people praying. That's why we have prayer Sunday mornings at, from 9 to 9.45, it, and that will never change. We are just committed to, to seeking God, and it will expand and develop as we're able. Um, hearing God's voice, which is what we've been talking about for some weeks now, and we're going to talk about it some more today. And then community, like God, God's people living in true community together. And so on Sunday mornings, right, these past few Sunday mornings, we've been focusing on hearing God's voice. And today we're going to talk about it in the, in the context of friendship with God, our friendship with Him. Because friends talk to each other, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> it's hard to maintain a friendship if you don't communicate, spend some time together. And um, things like that. Now, every week I've, I've given you two or three things that get in the way or hinder us from hearing God's voice. And, you know, I, one or two things that we put into practice. And if you've missed any of them, you can find them online. Honestly, fantastic stuff. Uh, it's worth listening to. Uh, <laughs> shameless promotion. Anyways, um, and so, um, but today, it, again, it's, it's going to be in the context of having friendship with God. And there are different reasons why some people actually resist or are uncomfortable with the idea of friendship with God. You know, maybe you've just never been told that God wants to be your friend, that He is your friend, but He wants to be. He wants to have friendship with you. But um, for some people, um, really, it's, um, it's because they really only want God to be there for them when they're in trouble, to bail them out. Hold on. Hey, there we go. All right. 
For some, it's because they just want God to be there for them when they're in trouble, to bail them out. Have you ever had a friend like that? Right? They only called you when they needed something or when they're in trouble. It's, it's kind of hard to maintain friendship with them, right? Doesn't work. It works the same way with God. And so, um, you know, the, the rest of the time, like, you, know, you, you know, if you're relating to this, the rest of the time what happens is you, you just want to do what you want to do. And then when you get in trouble, because you're doing what it is you want to do, because that's where it leads, right? it gets us into trouble, and then you call on God to rescue you. And, and many times God is gracious and helpful and merciful, and He does help us. But it's hard, it's, it, it, it's difficult to hear His voice if you're just treating Him as somebody that rescues you and just gets you out of trouble, and the rest of the time you ignore Him and you just do what you want. All relationships take work. They take time and effort, and that includes friendship with God. And, and in that, right, if you live with this sense of maybe letting God down all the time or too much, um, too often, it might seem easier to keep Him at a distance, right? If guilt or shame drives a lot of your relationships, you might find it's easier to keep God out or just, just right there. And so that makes friendship difficult with him. It gets in the way of hearing his voice. And really, we can do that with each other sometimes, don't we? Have you ever avoided somebody that you thought was upset with you? Have you ever given someone the silent treatment? (laughs) Yeah, of course you have, right? Because this is what we do. It's in it. It impacts and affects the relationships. Now, other people, they struggle with the idea of Jesus as Lord and Jesus as their friend. So, the thinking that this is the idea is that you have trouble balancing between Jesus as your ruler, your master, the, like the leader, the director of your life. So, God is sovereign, God is as judge over the earth. And then someone who just wants to spend time with you because he likes you. God likes you. He doesn't just love you. He does love you, but he also likes you. He created you. He fashioned you. He planned for you. Well, you, you don't go through that without actually liking the person. And so sometimes it's hard for us to, to put these two things together. This idea of him as leader, ruler, and you just want to be with me. And the truth is, is that God is both. And, when we ever, and whenever we put too much emphasis on either lordship or friendship, we end up, quite honestly, with a distorted view of Jesus. There are rules. There is right and wrong in relationship with God and on the earth. There, there are rights and wrongs in God's mind. And there are things that he wants from us, things that he commands for us and from us, but he is also our friend. He wants to be around us. He enjoys our company. He, he likes listening to us. And he likes it when we listen to him. And if you put too much emphasis on one side over the other, you'll end up with the wrong understanding of who Jesus is. For example, if you only focus on the lordship aspect 
right? The fact that he is sovereign, the fact that, that he is a ruler and master. What, what you can end up thinking is that God is overly demanding, that he's maybe never satisfied with you, and you're really only looking for him to tell you what to do, right? Tell me what I need to do, because right when I'm following the rules, then I feel right, so we, we, when we put that emphasis, when we only emphasize that, we end up often with a God who's never quite happy with us, never satisfied. And that often makes us hesitant to hear his voice. And the other side also applies. If you only emphasize or overemphasize the friendship aspect, then you can end up making Jesus soft, right? He, he's a buddy that, that he's just always around you, and he is. He's always with you, but he never talks to you about your problems or what he wants from you or what's right and wrong in your life. He's just there to help us get out of trouble or, you know, whatever it is. Whenever, the, the point is, whenever we overemphasize one over the other, we end up with a distorted view of who Jesus is. The fact is, he's both. We shouldn't separate Jesus as our Lord, right, ruler, leader of our life, from Jesus as our friend. He isn't one over the other, he's both. Jesus talks about this with his disciples in John chapter 15. And coming into and leading up to these verses in, in John 15, Jesus is talking to his followers, his disciples, about the cross, about he's going to, to be crucified, he's going to die and, and, you know, and they're not fully grasping it, which is understandable from, from their context, but they're not getting it. And what Jesus is trying to explain is that the cross is going to shift everything and how humanity relates to God. Up until this point, their understanding was that God was attentive, that, that God provided, but he was not always present. God wasn't always present. And to be, actually be in the presence of God, you had to go to a physical location. You had to go to a temple. People, we still struggle with this thought that somehow God is more present right here in this room than he is in your home, your school, your workplace. We still struggle with that, that thinking. But this was their thinking, God's presence, right? That, that tangible presence of God was only, only in the Old Testament, it resided in the temple. And the way in to his presence was by obeying the law and bringing a blood sacrifice. That was how you got into the presence of God. And so Jesus is explaining the shift that's about to take place because he's going to die on the cross. And when he does that, he becomes the permanent sacrifice for us. Right? He exchanges our sin for his righteousness. So when now, right, in Christ, we, we fulfill all the laws. <laughs> and that, that, that can confuse us sometimes because you're like, well, wait a minute, I know me. I know my life. I know that I don't you know, always follow the rules. And that's why we need the sacrifice. That's why we need Jesus to pay for our sins. And the way into his presence is now always open. It's not confined into a building any longer. He lives in us. 
His presence is always with us. In Jesus, we meet the requirements of the law. And so now you can go to him anytime that you need, anytime that you want, just like a friend. Just like a friend. So Jesus is explaining this. And he says in John chapter 15, he says to his disciples, right, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends. Since I've told you everything, the Father has told me. Jesus describes us as his friends. And just before this, Jesus explained that we're to remain connected to him. Like a branch stays connected to, um, it, to a vine. So he is our source. He, it, it, he is our life. The imagery that we find in, in John chapter, in the, the first part of John chapter 15, The imagery is one of friendship, of closeness, found in the description of a vine and branches. Right? Jesus says in verse 4, He says, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and and and, and you cannot be fruit unless you remain in me. So, we're told to remain. We're told to be connected, to abide. I like the word abide. Remain, I don't, it's just me. It, it might work for you, but in my mind, remain seems passive. Abiding actually seems like act, it's active to me. Um, I don't know. It's just how it works in my brain. Anyway, so I like the word abide. We're to abide in Him. We're to live in Him. We're to stay connected. This is personal. This is close. He isn't just an acquaintance. He isn't just somebody we know. He's a friend. Our closest friend. And he wants to be close to us. Sometimes the idea of God being close to us, for some individuals it scares. It scares you. And it can scare you because you think, wow, I don't know that God is fully going to accept me because I know the things I've done. I know the things I think and I I know what goes on in here. And maybe if God got up close, he'd actually get a real look at me and go, "Mm, oh, because that's happened in our human relationships, right? But the fact is, is God already knows everything there is to know about you. And he loves you and likes you. The whole point of Jesus going to the cross was to reconnect with his creation. In the Old Testament system, right, they were told to remain in the law because the law was life to them. It consumed their thoughts and guided their actions, but now we're to remain in Christ, in Jesus. He is to consume our thoughts and guide our actions, to know Him, to love Him. In, in verse 9 of John 15, Jesus says, remain in my love. And when you do that, it actually will result in obedience, fulfilling the law. Friends stay connected. You know, they spend time together. Um, they know one another. They enjoy one another's company. They do things together. They go on adventure. They have fun. They do ministry together. They make a difference. 
And if we were simply servants or slaves, we would never know what God is doing. We would only look to hear the command, right, the instruction and obey it. I've wondered for a long time, because it's very easy, it's always seemed very easy to look around at our world and and identify what we think the enemy's doing, right? How many of us actually know what, what God's up to? Or does it seem mysterious to us? Do we wonder, God, where are you at work? But he's our friend and he wants us to know. I would even go so far as to say it's critical for us as God's people to know what he's doing here on earth. Where he's at work, who he's speaking to, you know, where, you know, who's he, who's he wooing, who's he calling to himself. And friendship helps us hear his voice, knowing that he's our friend. We're not just simply servants to to receive orders and and then go do them. That will happen, but it it happens in the context of both his lordship and his friendship. Let me ask you this. You know, if something happens in your day, if something good or bad, funny happens in your day, you know, what what do you often do with that? Do, do Do you tell somebody close to you? Right? You talk to them. You tell them, you know... This funny thing just happened, or, you know, I, I'm, I'm feeling sad or upset or angry or because of this, or this really good thing, right? We, we get a hold of the people that we care about, friends, and we talk to them about it. Jesus is looking for the same thing from us. As I go through my day, I, I intentionally try to practice um, thinking of him as right there with me. Now, I know he is. Okay, like, you know, when I'm driving in my car, I I often picture Jesus as a passenger and I talk to him just like I would a normal person. And I do that because I'm trying to develop friendship with him. Try this for a moment. You can say it out loud or you can just say it in your mind, mind, but just say hi to him. Say, hi, Jesus. Good morning. Thanks for being here with me. Thanks for being my friend. Just talk to him. So many times, right, we make stuff complicated. Almighty God, you know, maker of heaven and earth. There's nothing wrong with praying like that, except it, 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 there's nothing wrong with that. He is that. But he's also our friend. It's okay just to say, Hi, Jesus. So glad you're with me. Because this really good thing just happened, or this really bad thing just happened. And I need a friend right now. So, whatever's going on in your life in this moment, and in a moment, we're going to take communion. And when we take communion, we're going to take it with our friend. Think about how Jesus did it. He's sitting at a table with his 12 closest friends, including the one that's about to betray him, who he also treated like a friend. This is how you win enemies, right? 
Treat them like a friend. <laughs> and he's sitting there with them. They've, they've eaten. And then he shares something deep and meaningful with them. He is so close to us, much more close than we often understand or comprehend. And the way through that, the way over that, around that, the way to learn to treat him as a friend is just to begin to treat him like a friend. Begin to talk to him like you would anybody else. He's okay with that. In fact, he would encourage that. So, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, it might be easy to think, well, you know, but Jesus, he, he knows everything, so he already knows what's happening in my day. That's not really the point. <laughs> the point is that he wants us, it's about our heart, right? He, he wants us to make the effort to know him. See, he's not distant. He's not far off. And so, where you are, right, right here, right now, whatever's going on in your life, good, bad, something funny happened to you on the way here, I, whatever it is, something that you might share with a friend, and ask you right where you are right now to share it with Jesus. In your mind, from your heart, just talk to him. And then as you do that, ask him if there's something that he wants to say to you. And don't be surprised if all he says to you is, I just want to be with you. I just want to spend time with you. He might tell you to do something. But honestly, I think in this context of where we're talking about him as our friend, I think all he's going to say to you, just be with me. Be with me. Hi, Jesus. Thank you. You're my friend. Thanks that you're always there with me even when I don't see it, I don't recognize it. Thank you that you care deeply for me and my family. That you care about our church. Thank you that you care about our community. That you haven't abandoned us, that you haven't left us. In fact, you've made a way for us to be closer than we could ever know. We encourage you to even just begin to tell him 
Jesus, you're my friend. Especially if you have some sense of resistance or uncomfortability with it. Begin to tell him, say, Jesus, I know, I know it. You're my friend. Thank you. So we're, we're going to take communion. You've got your, if, if, if you didn't get one of these, um, please make your way to the lobby and get it. You, you've never used one before. You need to peel the plastic off, the, the clear plastic off the top, and it reveals this little piece of styrofoam and uh, <laughs> the wafer and then the, the juice underneath. You know, as I hold it, I, you know, this is his body. His blood represents it, right? And I think of the words where Jesus says, like, a friend laying down his life for another. We could never have a better friend than Jesus. He gave his whole self for us. As you hold it, you hold the, the bread and the, and the juice. Just pause for a moment right here. Pause for a moment and talk to him like your friend and tell him and just thank him. Talk to him like your friend and thank him for his body and his blood. Thank you. Jesus, thank you that you gave your body for me, that you took, you took the punishment that I deserve. Thank you that through, through whip, through beat, through nailed, cross. You, you bled for me. You are my very best friend. Not only that you love me enough, but you actually like me enough to do this so that we can be together. So now, in your mind's eye, I encourage you to picture Jesus at the table with his disciples. Right? They, they've eaten, they're relaxing. They're having conversation. Then Jesus takes the bread. He says, this, this bread right here, this is, this is my body. It represents what I'm going to do for you in giving my body. And so he says, you know, when, 
whenever you're together, remember this. Remember what I've done. Hold on to it because it, it's what leads us to this place, closeness. Let's eat the bread together. Thank you, Jesus. Right, and they're all done eating. Jesus pours a, a cup. You know, you, you picture it in your your mind. Lots of times, right when when a meal's done, there, there's an atmosphere that is just very friendly, as we all like food so much, right? And from this friendly atmosphere. Jesus says to them, this right here, this cup, this wine, this, this is my blood. It's a new agreement. It's a new covenant between God and man. Where our sins are exchanged for his righteousness. Where his presence comes and dwells within us. Because his blood cleanses us. It removes our sin. And makes us right with God. Let's drink together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.